what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Chris, how's it going? It, it's going well. For once, we're not recording like late at night. We're actually doing this mid-afternoon. It's afternoon. Afternoon. It's daylight outside. There's still time after recording to like go out and do things. Unlike our normal recording schedule the last few months, we typically record late at night and go home and go to sleep. So True. It's, we get to be wild and crazy youngsters and go out and actually enjoy our night. So. And actually, I think we talked about, and I'm pretty hip on it, it's, we're coming up on Labor Day weekend. It'll be after that when this show is released. But right. we're actually going to try to – we're going to give you a good show. We're going to give you two reviews, but we're going to kind of skimp on the news and yeah. recommendations. We're, we're just going to give you a kind of a holiday weekend episode so we can get out of here early. Exactly. <laughs> we had a couple films that we've seen. We did want to review, and we're going to do that. But like, you know, like Chris was saying, normally our shows – we go into some news and we talk about uh, kind of recommendations of other films we think you ought to check out. Today, do a little abbreviated. It's just going to be two reviews. My name's Alan, by the way. I forgot to introduce myself in case you're new to the program. Alan and Chris, we're here, the host of Foot Candle Films. Glad to have you here with us. So the two films we are going to talk about today, they're both ones you can check out online, which I think is always nice. Correct. One of them is actually a Netflix film that if you have a Netflix account, you can see that one. But the first one we're going to talk about is the latest Kevin Bacon film called Cop Car. That is one you can get on iTunes or Amazon or other places where you can rent or purchase films. Followed by, the, uh, by that is a review of the film Welcome to Me, starring Kristen Wiig. That is a Netflix one. If you have a Netflix account, you can see that. Of course, still iTunes and Amazon as well. So we've got two good reviews to discuss. Chris, are you ready to get started? I am. Just one other note, because I don't want to forget. One of the other reasons we're kind of cutting it short, we are in the midst of getting ready for our film festival that's going to be coming up at the end of we September. Are? Film festival? <laughs> when is this happening? <laughs> I know. Crazy. But September 25th through the 27th, yes. if you're in the North Carolina area, especially if you're in Western North Carolina, or you really want to throw down a bunch of bucks and fly in from Japan, um, you can go get tickets online. Uh, best thing to do is to go to footcandlefilmfestival.com. And that actually has all the films we're showing and previews, descriptions. Then there is a link on there to, hey, go buy tickets. And obviously that'll take you to the ticketing site where you can actually buy tickets. So That's if you're right. interested, you'll come and see what all our blood, sweat, and tears has gone into for the last couple of months. That's a very good point. I think it's important to let people know not only if they can come join us, but also to kind of give a frame of reference that we have been very busy with that lately. <laughs> yes. So thanks for bringing that up, Chris. And we do hope you'll come join us in North Carolina that weekend of September 25th through the 27th, 2015, for our first ever Foot Candle Film Festival. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with our reviews. First up, Kevin Bacon, Six Degrees of Separation. Hmm. I'm sure we can map it to the film we'll be reviewing later in a moment. We'll have a fun exercise with that. Okay. But first, let's go into his latest film. It's called Cop Car. What if someone sees us? Well, let's tell them we're cops. Good idea. We just got a report of two kids driving a cruiser. Boys, I know you can hear me. You are in a whole lot of trouble. What we're looking at is a felony offense. Did you open up the trunk? Mr. Footloose himself, Kevin Bacon, 
Chris, in this film, taking on a, a very different type of character than uh, what is the name in Foot Can- Foot Foot uh, Footloose? It was was it? It wasn't Rhett, was it? You know, admission. I think it was Rhett. I'm not sure. I've actually seen Footloose. You've never seen Footloose? No, I don't think I have. Really? Yeah. I don't this think is like a confessional moment here. I, I think, know. and you're sharing this I, I with mean, all I've of us. I've definitely seen our... scenes with him like spazzing out in the warehouse, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Um, yes. I know John Lithgow plays like the protective father. Um, Everybody remembers the spaz out scene. And like, you know, the, the songs obviously are burned into my memory from yeah. growing up. But yeah, you never I actually seen the film. No, but I like I know the whole thing. Like, it's one of those things that. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. I can't wow. say I've seen. I, I've definitely seen scenes, but I don't think I've actually seen the whole thing. You're missing Sorry. out, man. You're missing Sorry. out. Sorry, guys. You're missing Sorry, well, whatever his name is in the film. I don't remember his name. He's got a, a, an interesting name in the film. I just remember it was a unique first name. Okay. It'll come to me in a little bit. Okay. Regardless. Okay, I'm getting off track. <laughs> so Cop Car is the latest film starring Mr. Bacon. Yes. He plays Sheriff Kretzer. And this is a, a very, let me just get the premise of this. I mean, it's really sure. a one-line dialogue, one-line description. A small-town sheriff sets out to find the two kids who have taken his cop car on a joyride. And that's the simple premise of the film. Two kids find a car that's owned by a policeman. The policeman is not there at the moment doing something else. <laughs> the two kids get in the car. They're a couple of little hellions. They want to have some fun. They drive off with the cop car. And the rest of the film is left where we have Sheriff Kresser trying to track down the kids to get his car back. Yep. Now, there's a lot of reasons why he needs his car back and a lot of things that stem from this track to get the car back. But that's left for some spoiler territory. Chris, I do want to ask you with this. This is a very simple premise film. Mm-hmm. It's also one that didn't get a whole lot of attention, although it's either getting some online buzz nowadays when it was released online for viewing. Sure. And it does have, you know, Kevin Bacon, who obviously is in a lot of films, um, uh, not always getting quite the acclaim, maybe sometimes that other actors do, typically known for a lot of smaller parts or smaller, smaller films. Right. How do you feel like, I mean, is this, was this film a surprise to you when you saw it, or did you feel like it deserves its straight-to-video-on-demand, not-seen-by-as-many-people status? Well, I mean, you know, this film... You know, it is very small in mm-hmm. scope. You know, like you're saying, it's a pretty simple film. Uh, it's best be described, I guess, as a thriller because, you know, you are wondering, you know, what's going to happen. The sheriff, yeah, I mean, no spoiler territory. He's not the nicest guy um, yes. <laughs> and has some some things that he's trying to hide. So you, know, you can see he's motives. the crooked sheriff. You know, yes. He's got some problems. These kids, obviously, innocent. So, you know, it's going to be pitting them against him. Um, so it's a very small scale movie. So you're not going to have like a wide audience. Plus the two True. kids obviously are young kids. They're unknowns. So um, other than Kevin Bacon, I mean, there's, it's a small cast to begin with. I right. think there's only like five people in the whole film. Maybe. Right. And uh, right. So I, I, I appreciate this film just for what it's trying to do. You know, trying to tell a story, trying to tell it contained mm-hmm. and not really. It's kind of like you're it's. <laughs> okay, we've talked about independent films many times because a lot of times we see some of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan gave the thumbs down. You are the poster child for bad independent filmmaking to Buzzard. Mm-hmm. And then we had a redeeming small film. I think it was Faults, maybe, that we talked yes, about Fault how that good. was a mm-hmm. independent film. But it was like what independent film was all about. You take yes. an idea. There again, very restricted in that it was all in a hotel room for the most part. Limited budget. Um, uh, putting forth a unique story idea right? and not necessarily feeling like you've got to show it in a terribly visually creative way, but build an interesting filmmaking style around a 
fairly unique or or small premise, I guess right. is the idea. And I feel like this is kind of going after that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I liked it. Would, yeah. I, would I recommend it as like being the most original or something like that? Well, no. But I, I, I liked it in that, to me, it felt like kind of a, even though definitely not as happy, I guess, as like Stand By Me. But it was, to me, it kind of took on like it's kind of a coming of age a little bit because these boys are, you know, they're right at the, I mean, how old would you say they are? Oh, gosh, 11, I'm so bad 12. with ages. But, you know, they're young, but you can tell they're getting older. And at the very opening of the film, it's this long tracking shot of them walking across a field. And they're kind of, for lack of a better term, experimenting with cuss words. Yes. <laughs> so you can tell there's still some innocence there. And one sure. boy refuses to say one word. He's like, oh, that's the worst cuss word ever. I'm not going to say it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's innocence there. But because of what they're going through through the course of this movie, you can tell, like, there's going to be some loss of it. And um I, I can appreciate that. To me, it felt kind of like, what if somebody like David Gordon Green was trying to do like a Stand By Me type movie? Strip away like the, you know, the cool soundtrack with like, you know, all the 50s songs and stuff and just keep it minimalist, but still have like elements of nature. And that that's what this film felt like to me. And I, I, I liked it. And I thought Kevin Bacon was just perfect for this role. I really thought, not that, I mean, I've always thought he was a good actor, Um and I guess you could say maybe he was playing, you know, the stereotypical bad Kevin Bacon role. <laughs> but I don't know. I I enjoyed. Has it. Kevin Bacon ever played a stereotypical bad role, though? I mean, you know, you know I'm wrong on that. I mean, I know in A Few Good Men he was kind of the he was he the, was a little bit of the antagonist, but not really. I right, mean, right. Um, normally he doesn't get pigeonholed too too strongly in either direction. He's Come a good on, like supporting the invisible role. man. <laughs> Oh, what was that? Hollow Man. Hollow Man. That was it. Yeah, yeah, he was the bad guy in that one. I forgot about that one. That was a bad movie, though. (laughs) Don't count. Um, I'm with you on this. I actually really did enjoy this film. Okay. I do agree that I think Kevin Bacon was really, really good in this. Okay. Um, He he nailed it to the point where I forgot it was him after a while. And that's always the key for me, is if I can watch somebody and halfway through the movie, I kind of disassociate them from the actor. And I'm just really into the character. Right. He got it. I mean, I really liked his character in this. Well, I think, too, he, like you're saying, you know, you made the joke kind of in the intro about, you know, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. He's such kind of a a stereotype about mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he's in so many movies and, you know, he's got throwaway roles and you just, you know him as a face. And now he's almost like a stereotype of himself. But right. I'm in the same ball or in the same boat where I forgot it was him, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just. And he, he does such a good job of playing kind of this small town sheriff, but he's got a lot of things going on that he's kind of got to juggle in his mind. There's a point where he has to get on the CB, mm. or I think he's actually using his phone at this point, but he's calling the dispatcher. Yes. And before she picks up, he's like trying, he's like repeating her name and how to sound the most casual, you know, and it's, I thought that was perfect. It was, yeah, well, it was it's little just, things like that. He's, he's playing a part where you, you see it's the moments before he's having to con somebody or say something right. where he's prepping himself right. or he's you can tell on his face as he's talking on the phone or talking on the cb when he's trying to mislead somebody on the other end he's processing and he's thinking okay how do i need to say this in a way and he's you could tell over the phone he probably sounds very natural but when you're watching him on his face you know he's really struggling to figure out how to pull this off right. now there's a lot of nuance in the performance it was sure. really fun to watch I will say, too, and I'm normally one not big on child actors, but these two kids were good. Um, They played typical kids in the first half of the film, just kind of getting in trouble, not really caring. The second half, they played scared, petrified, um, 
really nerve-wracking scenes that kids were being put through late in the film, especially in the third act, that I thought they pulled it off really well. I I felt the tension in the last third or quarter of this film pretty high. I mean, yeah. I actually felt like it was a very tense film. Right. And it would not have felt that way if the kids were not good actors playing their roles. Well, and I, I have to wonder, we got to probably or need to mention the whole uh, director. And, you know, he's also the writer on this because uh, John Watts, yes. who, as I think you may have mentioned in a news item at one point in the past, he's going to be doing the new Spider-Man movie, whatever it's going to be called, but rebooting that franchise, so to speak. I don't know whether it was through his writing or just through his directing of these two kids, or maybe, you know, it's just in the magic of editing, but what he was able to capture, and granted, maybe these kids are amazing actors, but you have trouble believing that you could find two that are this good. And I think they're good, but I think through the magic of his direction, he Mm. knew what he needed to get out of them and, I don't know. Yeah, it's just there was magic happening there that you don't often see that be, you know, that I think it credits both the actors and the director and him being able to pull those performances out of such young kids. Well, and I I do think that may have some insight as to his choice for doing the Spider-Man film, because what I understand is they're trying to go much younger with the Spider-Man character in the new film. Like he will still be a high school student and they're actually casting someone Hmm. of that age range. So it's not going to be some... 20-something-year-old, almost 30-year-old playing a high school student. Mm. So maybe it's the fact that he was able to work with these child actors so well that got got him a little bit more attention because I got a sense the cast that we're going to see in the Spider-Man movie are going to be younger than we're used to seeing with that. Kind of like, I guess they're going that angle, what they did with like the Harry Potter movies where they started really young. They would rather invest in somebody and build them up over time. I will say one other thing about the film, the ending. Um, It's a slow burn film for most of the film. Yeah. I, de- I dare say the first third of the film is very slow, but 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 nicely paced. Sure. It does build. You've got a middle section where things start to get a little bit more intense. Well, and it's only an hour and a half. It's so a short it film. For, yeah. That last 20 minutes, though, is pretty intense. Yes. And it actually does end the film with the last five minutes being the most intense parts of the film, to my, in my mind. Yeah. It's Which I like. I mean, there's so many times where we see films that just kind of peter out by the end. Mm-hmm. Or sputter out, whatever. This one did, uh, and without giving anything away, did you like the ending? I mean, the, really the last shot scene, whatever it may be, uh, of this. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, it, I, it, didn't, it didn't give you the clear answer, but it gave you enough of a direction of where the story probably went. Well, and I think if, yeah, without giving anything away, mm-hmm. a, an event happens that causes... It's kind of an inevitable event you feel like in the film, and it ends up happening, and there's some individuals are hurt, and you're Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, that was kind of a long time coming. So for that to happen, and then that you kind of feel like that's inevitable in a way. I uh, I admired the ending. I thought it was you know it wasn't this clean cut ending. It wasn't a perfect wrap up of everything. You more or less were given an idea with the last shot and the last piece of dialogue that you know where the story's going to end, but. It didn't just wrap it up in a nice, neat bow bow for either. But I will say the actual chase sequence that happens was (laughs) pretty crazy. Um, Not only the fact that they chose to use it in the dark, where (laughs) playing off, and again, I'm doing this without spoiling anything, but just there's something about driving a car that these kids don't know how to do, such as turning on lights. Right. And even though that may sound like a simple thing, it actually added so much to the scene of not having the lights on in the car for what is going on. 
it just I love the way that last little scene was put together. It had kind of got a little bit of a Spielberg duel thing going on, hmm. you know, in a way. I okay. had a little bit of flashback to that old movie. I can see that. Um, and I love the fact that that was honestly like the last three or four minutes of the film. Because I really thought I was, you know, I was watching this on iTunes and it had the little status bar underneath me showing me how much time was left in the film. I'm like, oh, there's only like five or six minutes left. I'm sure it's just going to be a slow, slow wrap up and then credits. And it's like, oh, no, there's a whole nother scene for the last few <laughs> minutes that was really cool. And it was a nice surprise to have at the end of the film, just kind of this nice crescendo of kind of activity happening. So um, I, I liked it. I liked right. it a lot. thought it was good. I, I, I would agree. I, I would say if you like thrillers and you are looking for something a little different, yeah. then this would definitely definitely be for you. And I think <laughs> you kind of know what you're in for, too. Like we're saying, it's an independent film. And the fact of just the title, it's like <laughs> cop car. Nothing fancy. It's just kind of laid out like, that's what this whole movie is about. It's in the title. It's about a cop car. You know? There's even one scene which you know, could be a groaner in other productions, but I do think worked in this one where even Kevin Bacon got to yell out. It kind of reminded me of the whole snakes on a plane yeah. where it's like Samuel L. Jackson's like, I'm so tired of these snakes on a plane. Yes. You know, Kevin Bacon kind of gets his line to say cop car. Right. And handled under different situations it could have been come across as really corny and cheesy right but i actually think it really worked in here and it was kind of just a fun moment in general so um yeah i had a good time with the film it was a lot more harrowing and scary from a safety of youngsters and a lot more than i expected sure so i will tell that as a kind of a cautionary thing for anybody listening it is children in peril Oh, yeah. Some dangerous, scary things happen, you know, and it's... It's dark, so it's It is not, a darker yeah, it's thriller. It's rated so, for a reason. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Um, but it is good, and it's yeah. very well made, and it's a nice, simple premise that they did a good job with. Awesome. I would, I would that's agree. Cop Car. That's out on iTunes, Amazon, anywhere you can buy movies or rent movies online. It's available, because it went straight to video on demand. I don't think it got any kind of theatrical release or anything. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But how encouraging is it that a director, as far as I know, first-time writer and director made a film, a small independent film like this, that went video on demand straight to, which normally in years past, that would have been the kiss of death. That basically meant your film's no good. (laughs) But the fact is, this is a good film. It did go straight online, and it got the attention of Marvel and Sony, who's now tapped this guy to do a big blockbuster film for him. That's incredibly liberating, and to think that that's how independent filmmakers can now operate and get their work seen a lot more than they probably could in earlier studio systems. So. Good. So that's Cop Car. We encourage you to check out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, dark thriller, but worth seeing. Local authors, illustrators, and storytellers come together to create Storytime Station at The Mesh. Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. So our next film is the Kristen Wiig of Saturday Night Live fame and many other comedies we've seen in recent years. Uh, her latest film that is also online and available for viewing is called Welcome to Me. Thanks for calling the California Lottery. If you're calling to report a winning, just say, I'm a winner at any time. I'm a winner at any time. I want a talk show with me as the host. You want to talk about current events? No. Mm, what kind of stuff do you want to talk about? Me. Mm. How much will that cost? $15 million. 
Oh, and I want to come in on a swan boat. And welcome to me. Welcome to me. Welcome to me. 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 And welcome to me. So, Welcome to Me is classified, kind of like The Skeleton Twins, which is another movie which Kristen Wiig was in, as a comedy, comma, drama. So it's one of those where it has to straddle the line between being funny, but yet having a lot of dramatic elements. In Welcome to Me, Kristen Wiig plays Alice Klieg, who has won a mega millions lottery. So she's Mm -hmm. just come into a lot of money. She decides, you know what? I'm going to quit all my psychiatric medication that I'm taking, quit going to counseling, and I'm going to buy my own talk show. Um, And that's the premise of this movie. (laughs) True. She's fascinated by Oprah Winfrey. Yes. Actually has an entire video VHS collection of what seems to be most of Oprah's shows in her house. Right. Um, She does have some psychiatric issues, things that she's on medication and, and seeing a counselor for. Um, and yeah, she, she, she wants to have a talk show. Um, she's a very self-absorbed person. She's, uh, got some interesting approaches toward relationships with people and the people she surrounds herself by. But yes, this talk show is all about her. I mean, it's, there's, it's called welcome to me. There's no (laughs) interviews. It is just her talking about things she likes and things she wants. And she's got the money right? because the TV station she approaches is basically a, local uh does a lot of infomercial cable access cable access yeah. and they're struggling and when somebody comes in and writes them a check for you know 15 million dollars to start producing a show they they say okay we'll do this so with that being the setup alan um i had heard about this film but then it mm-hmm. kind of disappeared and then you mentioned hey it's on netflix now let's check it out so we did a lot of interesting comments I heard were that a lot of people were negative on it because of how it handled mental illness mm-hmm. And I think with this film, I, I did find there, was, there were funny parts, and I, I did enjoy the film, but I wonder how you feel about its treatment of mental illness and about how it represents that, and how do you think Kristen Wiig did you know, portraying that? Well, I, I never saw the film in her portrayal as to be representative of people with mental disabilities or illnesses. If I did, if I thought this was meant to be a representation of that segment of our population, then I think it would be fairly insulting. Gotcha. But I didn't take it as that. The idea is that, you know, everybody, even people with mental uh, issues that they're struggling with, there's still a wide range of people. And she is portraying one type of personality that it happens to be plagued by mental illness. Right. I think even if it wasn't for the mental illnesses she encountered, she would still be a very self-absorbed person. Sure. It's just that she's a self-absorbed person that because of the, the illness that she faces, is having a hard time understanding how the world really works and how to to interact with people in a constructive, positive way. Does that make sense? I'd, oh, definitely. And I, you know, going into this film knowing that some people had really come down on it because of, you know, may, her character being um, mentally, you know, mm. something something's wrong with her or something. You know, she was psychiatrically, you know, needed help and was getting medication. Knowing that, I felt like the film actually did a good job of trying to just, you know, there was humor in the film, but I didn't feel like they unduly made fun of her. And if anything, the people that work at the station and some of the people that are willing to take her money and willing to do things, it's kind of like saying it was actually turning the camera back on them or turning the judgment back on them saying these people may be exploiting her. Look look what they're doing to her. And they Mm -hmm. see that she has problems, 
but instead of trying to help her, they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, crazy lady. And they're not, you know, they're not caring about her, you know. And so I thought that was interesting. Like, And then actually the whole kind of behind the film, too, you could look at it as, you know, you if you were to just hear about this and like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a really funny film. And you come and you see it, but more what it's saying about, what was her name? Kleeg is her last name. What's her Alice. first name? Alice, yeah. Mm-hmm. How she has relationships and tries to have relationships with friends and like what – and, like, you see them tell her, like, you know, you are a very self-absorbed person, and she kind of damages some of those relationships, mm-hmm. but, you know, she tries to repair them. I don't know. There's, I think there's more to it than I agree. a lot of Kristen Wiig performances. Like, I think she's great, but I think she has so much depth that through something like Skeleton Twins and now this, it shows that she, you know, she's capable of a lot. Well, <laughs> I, I have not seen Skeleton Twins yet. That's still on my to-do list. I like Kristen Wiig as a comedian. I do think she's very funny. And I liked her in general on Saturday Night Live. Although the criticism I always had is she played a lot of the same tropes over and over again. Okay. In a lot of her her characters on the the skit program. I did have a little bit of a misgiving with her performance in that I think there's too many times she fell into, I'm going to play this little quirky part of this character. And it's Hmm. something that would be really funny in a skit on Saturday Night Live. But it didn't always match the, the movie as well. Really? I felt like. Interesting. Right. Like, for example, I thought the first time she said, I'd like to read from a prepared statement. Oh, man. I think that's funny. But then when it happens a few more times, it started to push more into Saturday Night Live skit territory. And there were just a couple of elements of her personality that I felt like they were doing that with. Now, I didn't feel like it derailed the film. I just felt like there was too many beats where she was relying on characters I've seen her play before in skits. Huh. And it was like mashing a bunch of them together to make this conglomerate character. See, I, I, I think I'd benefit from, I've, I knew she came from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple of skits of hers, but I wasn't a loyal yeah. fan, a loyal watcher. So to that me. That probably has a different and it probably, Yeah, so I'm coming at it in a different Because I've seen every skit, she, every episode she was in. See, there you and go. And so I think there was a few times I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's just like this character she used to play. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, there's another character she used to play. So it was a little... A little disappointing there. But again, I didn't think it derailed the film. I don't know if anybody else could have played that part as well as Kristen Wiig did anyway. So it well, was fine. It reminded me of um, another film that came out last year, Nightcrawler, yeah. with Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's all obsessed with media and how TV news and how that portrays things. And it's that's, you know, instead of, I guess, uh, that didn't have the reference point of Saturday Night Live, but... You know, she seems obsessed with Oprah, and Oprah has a talk show, so she wants to have a talk show. And then I'm imagining this woman has seen lots of TV interviews where somebody says, I have a prepared statement I'd like to read. Mm-hmm. And so, like, sure. and then they come across as being all sincere. And, you know, so it's like she has in her head, this yeah. is how this is supposed to go. So, yeah, it is. I can I can see eye rolling because that's the way in which that done maybe references yeah. Saturday Night Live stuff. It, but, it um, is, and there's a few other moments where she says something or has a little facial tick or something, which okay. is very much her thing. And for somebody who knows her work pretty well, it's a I little bit of a oh yeah okay there she goes with that again. <laughs> okay, um, I will say this: I, I think the story is great. I mean, the concept of the story. Okay, the story that we're following. Yeah, this woman who happens to be facing these these illnesses and situations comes into this situation and makes this decision to do this. And this is how it comes about. I love it. I think it was a very great, unique story that I loved hearing about. Right. I did have some issue with the screenplay in that I felt like there were a lot of moments that really made some illogical jumps in the story. Hmm. 
okay. that I don't think if you had a full fleshed out story to read that those would happen. But for example, the turning from everybody at the studio being hesitant about her mm-hmm. um, to then everybody was embracing her. And then she has one moment on screen where things go bad. And technically it wasn't even her fault that they went bad. And all of a sudden, everybody's now upset with her and wants her gone. And it was like, okay, I'm not quite sure I follow the logic that just happened here. I know they needed to get the story to the point where everybody wanted her gone in order to make this happen. Right. And for her to start to go down her little spiral for a bit. But I just, it just, it just didn't work for me, the flow, the way the screenplay carried us from that part to the next. Okay. And I felt like it was a little jumbled um, or a little scattered in places. And also, you know, they pack in a real lot of really good actors and actresses in this film, but many of them are just wasted. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee, what is going on with her character? She's in like three scenes. You've got an actress. She's one of the disapproving people yeah. that doesn't really and want And you've got her. her in there, and I'm thinking, okay, obviously they're building something up with her. And then right. there's a point where she gets really upset and wants to leave, and then she's gone. I mean, she really is in three scenes with lines that have no bearing on the film whatsoever. Right. And uh, Joan Cusack was good in a very small role. I didn't mind her role because at least her role had a purpose to it. There was something that kind of bridged the the Alice character throughout the film. Right. Um, I liked how Joan Cusack's character, as kind of, I guess, a, a director of the show, kind of became this voice of God on the show in a way. I wish they'd <laughs> explained that or done more with that. It was kind of one of those things they just alluded to two or three times. Right. I thought it was clever, but I wish they'd done more with that dynamic between them. So I just felt like, I mean, the movie was short already. It was under an hour and a half. Right. I wouldn't have minded an extra 10 minutes or 15 minutes of this film to just kind of fill in some of those natural progressions of the scenes. Give us a little bit more so we didn't jump from everybody starting to love her to then all of a sudden everybody hated her within a five-minute span. I, so. I, I, I can agree with that, that there were you know jumps in logic or jumps in storytelling mm-hmm. that didn't really flow very well. I guess that's what you get. To me, that's sometimes the sacrifice of not having a movie that flows through the Hollywood system in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think, or is more of an independent film. And like, this didn't really get released to big theaters. And like, because I think the, those things would have been straightened out or ironed out. And maybe there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. Could and be. that's why Jennifer Jason Lee doesn't have as much point. But yeah. in a way I also said like, kind of like mental illness can be a very messy thing. And there's no, you know, mm-hmm. I felt like that was kind of like, that's how the screenplay was. It was kind of messy and not mm-hmm. always, well strung together so I, I you commented on a lot of actors that are in this thing and i want to pick out two of them um james marston and wes bentley mm-hmm. who play the brothers who are i guess basically in charge of this cable access yes. channel they have the most money invested in it mm-hmm. um i've really liked them as brothers yeah no, they, <laughs> they were did good. a really yeah. good job i agree um you know they they're kind of those faces that you I can't really name, I know they've been in movies, but I can't really name a lot of them. But when you see them, you know them as like, okay, it's those guys. And right. then to have them as brothers, I thought the relationship where Wes Bentley is kind of the beaten down brother mm-hmm. and James Marsden is more of like the pretty boy, like yeah. I'm the successful one brother. Sure. But I thought that was, no, I was really, good. I really liked that. I agree dynamic. with you completely. And I'll say Linda Cardellini as her best friend. Although I didn't buy their relationship at first, I didn't understand why Linda was friends with Alice. Got you. But over the course of the film, I started to get, I started to see it more. And I will just give her credit because I thought the scene where where Linda's character, Gina, the best friend, comes to visit Alice at the treatment center where she is. Right. About two thirds of the way through the film. Mm Mm-hmm. 
thought was a really good scene because she comes to visit Alice. Alice, she's upset because Alice has treated her in a certain way for some time. Sure. And she calls her on it. And here's the fact. I mean, this woman is in a mental facility, mental treatment facility. And her best friend's coming in and basically calling her on the carpet for her behavior. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty daring. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not pandering no, to no. this character. They're basically saying, hey, listen, you you kind of screwed up, you right. know? And calling on it. And I think that's where, obviously, we get the final stage of Alice trying to make some amends. And I just thought that scene was very real and authentic. I felt like, you know, yep, I could totally see people reacting that way. That's, that's how they would react in that situation. I th- so I, I thought that was good. I thought it was also, this isn't, you know... I think this this movie walks a tightrope mm-hmm. because it is, you know, it does have comic comedic elements, but like we were saying, it's a drama and it has talks about mental illness, so it's a very mm-hmm. fine line that you have to walk. And I felt like it did it. I appreciated too that it showed that she had had a failed marriage, mm-hmm. and that her family was her mother and father were kind of like aware of her problems, and then her ex husband, and like I thought that was a very interesting dynamic that wasn't just. I didn't feel like it was just played for laughs too. It was like, no, this is, you know, these are people that have been around her. This is kind of her life. And it is kind of odd and a little, mm-hmm. it's messy. And I thought it was just really interesting. And I can see why if you, you know, I can see why this movie probably wouldn't be, we talked about why cop car maybe didn't go to a wide audience. I can see why this movie's not for everyone. A lot sure. of people would go expecting Kristen Wiig to be laugh out loud, funny or something. And they, wouldn't really get what they want. No, they I mean it definitely did have some funny moments. The sure. concept of the of the show itself is funny in many cases, and many of the scenes of the show are very funny. Um, but there's also some pretty some pretty down moments on it as yeah. well. And, some heavy uh, material. Um, so it was a, it was a good balance, and I enjoyed the film overall. Um, I had some issues with it. I wish it had been a little cleaner on the screenplay. I can see. That. Uh, I wish a couple of moments and and, and re, uh, actions were a little more developed than they were. It felt like it did take some logical jumps at times for me. And I wish some of the, the supporting cast were used a little bit more effectively or just not in there at all mm. to distract us. Um, but otherwise, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I thought Kristen Wiig, she's a good actress. I will definitely give her that. And she definitely has more flexibility than your typical Saturday Night Live alumni does. Right. And um, so it was good. I definitely recommend it as well. Shira Piven is the director who I, I don't know anything about. Um, all, all I know is that she is married to Jeremy Piven and he actually provides the voiceover of like the studio announcer at one point like as the show's introducing or whatever he's like and welcome to me starring Alice Cleet like that's that's his voice I didn't know that (laughs) that's all Um, well how interesting is this so welcome to me Shira Piven director right married to Jeremy Piven who does a voiceover in the film right our previous film Cop Car starring Kevin Bacon his wife Kira Sedgwick did the voice of the dispatch, the dispatch. that yeah, you just hear. That is cool. Found his little connection there. <laughs> Synergy. That's our six degrees of separation with there Kevin we Bacon. We found a connection to the Kevin Bacon film. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So that is Welcome to Me. That is actually available on all your online networks, but it's also available on Netflix, which we always do want to call that attention. Netflix changes their movies from month to month. Sometimes you don't always know it's there. I'm saying right now, as of September 2015, it is there, and it is <laughs> worth checking out and seeing. Um and that is Welcome to Me uh, from just earlier this year. So, Chris, that's really what we wanted to do with today's show is just our two reviews. Again, we want to kind of keep it nice and simple and quick. We do have another show coming out fairly soon where we're going to be reviewing uh, the latest film about the Beach Boy founder, uh, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. 
called Love and Mercy, starring John Cusack and who's the other kid? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. That's right. Mr. Dano. And apparently, from what I've been hearing, we'll have to judge when on our next show, but a rather impressive performance from Elizabeth Banks. Oh, okay, good. So There's we'll that. see about that. And I think we're going to be reviewing another Netflix film that you'll be able to check out as well called The Guest. So uh, that's been out for a little bit longer than maybe these other ones have, but it's one we've caught up with recently and want to share some thoughts on it. I am, Chris, very interested in your take on that film. Okay. Very interested. <laughs> so we'll have two reviews next show as well as some news and our recommendations. So we're kind of going back to normal format next time we get together. But thanks for indulging us on this special Labor Day weekend, quicker uh, quicker episode as we just hit these two reviews. Chris, if anybody wanted to reach out to us or find out more about us or anything at all, where, where are some options they can go to? You can always go to the Mesh. Dot TV, and that'll let you see all our past episodes. That's the podcast network we're part of. You can see a, a lot of our past shows as well as a lot of other shows on The Mesh. You can also, if you want to just drop us a line about something you'd like for us to review or tell us how we were wrong about a movie, <laughs> you can do so at info at themesh.tv and just, you know, kind of say in your email that you're referencing Foot Candle Films and they'll know to kind of shove it our way. Um, Alan and I are also both on Letterboxd, where we kind of sometimes write many reviews and keep a diary of what we're watching. So you can uh, follow us on there as well. Absolutely. A lot of different ways to get a hold of us. You know, of course, there again, iTunes to us is still the best way to reach us and True. give some star ratings. I guess more than anything to not only reach the show and get it subscribed to. Uh, hitting that subscribe button in iTunes and just making sure the podcast gets delivered to you each time we put out a new episode. But also give us those star ratings and online ratings on iTunes. We really do appreciate that as well. Helps us reach more listeners. So Absolutely. As Chris mentioned, don't forget footcandlefilmfestival.com. Go to the website. You can buy tickets for all the films we'll be showing. We do have several of the filmmakers attending and uh, coming that weekend to hold some Q&As after their screenings. And Chris, we're kind of excited. The films were some of the couple of the films we're showing are getting some bigger releases after Absolutely. our film festival. So yeah. uh, their, their trailers are up on Apple's website. I mean, it's kind of exciting to know that we've got some somewhat bigger films or some films that are getting going to get more attention after our festival uh, going out there as well. So, and I'm sure we'll be doing kind of a recap of our festival episode after the festival's over, after we've slept for like three or four days solid, <laughs> right. we get back together. We'll probably do an episode where we recap some of the films we saw. And I think so. There. And I think we've got to, at the very least, tell everybody what the, who the winners were. Oh, sure. We, yeah. yeah they we'll definitely that. promote that quite a bit. They're going to be the first ever recipients of the foot candle award, Absolutely. which we're very excited about. So, all right, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will have another episode coming out soon with some more, uh, some more content to it. But until then, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.